Welcome to another episode of your friendly neighborhood film cast. I am your host, Jack, and with me today is returning guest, Audrey. Hi, Jack. As always, happy to be here. As always, happy to have you here. And we're going to be embarking on quite the journey in this episode. This is a very different movie from anything that we've previously covered, but I'm thrilled to be covering a movie like this because uh, this was something that I wanted to do more of on the podcast is cover bad movies as much as I like to cover good movies. So uh, this is perfect. And the movie in question that we are talking about is the 2021, yes, you heard that correctly, 2021 film, Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Wingard and described by Google as, Fearsome monsters Godzilla and King Kong square off in an epic battle for the ages, while humanity looks to wipe out both of the creatures and take back the planet once and for all. That's pretty apt, I would say. That's that's very apt. Yep. This is our first like recent release, and also I would say our first movie that was advertised to be a blockbuster, because we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. covering movies that were more like awards bait and that were like romantic movies, like kind of on that side. So this is fun. This is, um, if I'm being 100% honest, this is more my wheelhouse than anything else that we've talked about so far, because I feel like all my favorite movies are one of those ones where when I'm pitching it to people, I'm like, it's not good, but it's great. Same here. I have been wanting to cover a movie like this since the inception of this podcast. So I'm thrilled to be doing it finally. And, uh, If listeners have seen, not seen, they can't see these episodes, but if they've listened to previous episodes (laughs) that we've recorded together, uh, they'll have a little bit of an idea of what your background is. But just to catch everyone up to speed, what is your background with this movie? Sure. So I saw the Godzilla 2014 movie in theaters. It's one of the very few movies that I regretted seeing in theaters because I felt like it was very boring and... um, for context, I love Pacific Rim. That's what I like in a monster movie. Lots of monster fights. Mm-hmm. It's very aesthetically pleasing. And all the rest of it is like, if there's some funny dialogue, that's even better kind of thing. Rest of it, don't super care. So the Godzilla 2014 was just like this really slow like family drama. And I just felt like we didn't get to see that much of Godzilla doing his thing. So anyway, I watched that one. I didn't see Kong School Island when it came out. But when they announced Godzilla versus Kong... Um, my husband and I watched Skull Island and then uh, King of the Monsters, which I really liked Skull Island. It it had its flaws, but I liked it way more than King of the Monsters, way more than Godzilla 2014. King of the Monsters was terrible, um, had some really great monster fights in it, but everything else was terrible. And then we watched literally just the other day on HBO, we watched Godzilla vs. Kong, and it's my favorite of the whole monster verse so far. So that's what I got. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I also saw the 2014 Godzilla movie in theaters. I was disappointed, but at the time I didn't think it was bad. I was just slightly disappointed by it, but I also had a very different palette back then, so I'm sure that if I rewatched it, I would feel the same way. And I've tried watching both Skull Island and King of the Monsters and couldn't get into either of them, but I will say that I I do kind of want to revisit them after seeing Godzilla vs. Kong just because I think it gives me 
an idea of what fun I might be able to have in them if I hang around a bit longer. So, uh, for context, for context, Skull Island is not a monster movie. It is a war movie. And they set it up that way. It has way too many characters, but the monster design in it is amazing. The movie is beautiful. Um, and it's got a great cast. And I felt like the dialogue in that one, while not good, wasn't as egregious I as could in see King that. of Monsters. Yeah. So like going into that one, be prepared for the tone to be kind of survival horror, the way that a lot of mm-hmm. war movies are. And then King of the Monsters is just like you just have to you just have to suffer through some of the cheesy dialogue and family drama so that you can get to the monster fights because the monster fights are really cool in that one but everything else was just like me going someone wrote that someone wrote that and someone edited that and that made it to film oh man yeah that's kind of the vibe that i got when um i watched godzilla versus kong with my movie discord on opening night we all watched it together, and it was a grand old time. Ooh. Yeah, there were a lot of people in there who, like me, had not seen Skull Island or King of the Monsters. Some people had seen one, but not the other. But all of us were equally as confused. So it was a good time. <laughs> it's totally fair. Godzilla versus Kong, without jumping into spoiler territory, I will say, Godzilla versus Kong went the hardest on the monster fights. The director was like, people don't want to watch a two and a half hour family drama. I will keep my movie under two hours. It's going to be a lot of monster fights because if I make it longer than two hours, you're not going to get more monster fights. You're going to get more people talking about monster fights. And so he basically was just Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Screw it. We're not going to provide a ton of context. We're just going to throw some lines in here or there that like if you catch them, great, you'll figure it out. And if you don't catch them, great, you'll enjoy watching a monster fight kind of thing. So, uh, Yeah, it was a great time. I don't think it was super well written, but it was a great time. Yeah. I do have to ask, going in, did you have money on one or the other, Godzilla versus Kong? Like a UFC fight, you know? Oh, I didn't have money on either of them. Someone, and I forget who, otherwise I would give them credit, they posted a photo in the group Discord before we watched it. It's like a picture of someone at a sports game and they're just wearing a shirt that says, I want both teams to have a good time. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I love it. I definitely, um, so my husband was definitely, he was like, "Uh, Kong, it's going to be Kong all the way. And I was like, it's Godzilla. Like arguably one of these monsters can use nuclear power. So it's going to be Godzilla. So that's how we went into the movie. That's fun. That's a good way to go into it. We should have done that for sure. It was just one of those things that I thought was funny because I like both characters and like I love the original Gojira and a lot of the old um, movies in like the 50s and 60s that were like monster movies and stuff. So it was just nice to see some of the stuff that was like an homage to that. While also just having a good time. Yes. This movie is quite a good time indeed. I know that we kind of went into overall thoughts, but do you have any other general thoughts before we go into spoilers? Well, the first one I was going to say is that Julian Dennison, who plays Josh in the movie, um, which for context, he's a teenager who's friends with Millie Bobby Brown's character, whose name I immediately forgot. Maddie, I think. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And they go on some shenanigans and... and, um, basically are like monitoring the whole situation kind of thing but he's in this movie and I was really excited I was just very delighted to see him in this movie because I knew him from Hunt for the Wilder People 
um, which was a Taika Waititi kind of indie flick. And so I hadn't seen him in anything else, although I do think that he was in one of the Deadpool movies, maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was just like, yes, I like to see you getting time on the big screen. This is very good. And overall, I felt like the cast was really fun. Yeah, I think that... It was a good ensemble cast. Lots of interesting people showed up in this movie that I wouldn't have expected. And despite the bad dialogue, I will say that there were still some really good performances, specifically Rebecca Hall. She can say no one bows to Kong so and still be great. And Brian Tyree Henry was also I know, great that too. Was- Yes, he had the best dialogue in the film easily. Mm -hmm. And I would be curious to find out if any of that was like improvised versus being written because of how good it was comparatively. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Rebecca Hall had to deliver some really crappy lines and she just did it so earnestly that I was like willing to overlook it. Man, (sighs) Sarsgaard had some real bad lines also. And, like, he did what he could with them, but I was still just like, oh, man. Yeah, I've got to agree. Like, I think at some point in the group Discord, as we were watching it, someone said, every time he opens his mouth, I just cringe. Like, something along those lines. His stuff was so... So this is the impression that I got of him. And in so in the movie, he plays... Uh, this scientist slash author who used to be part of Monarch and his brother did too. And he basically expounded on the hollow earth theory, which is a theme throughout the, this reboot of the MonsterVerse and the original MonsterVerse. And he gets um, approached by a big corporation, um, Apex Cybernetics, to go into the hollow earth and, and prove it basically and find this energy source that they're looking for. And I just felt like the person writing him was like, I want him to be like Elon Musk, but to make a little bit more sense. Because I definitely spent a lot of this movie going, okay, so he's not, like, he's not supposed to be, like, I'm not supposed to like him, right? Like, because this dialogue's bad, but, like, it's also not making me like him. So I don't really like him until over halfway through the movie. And you're supposed to like him. And I realized that at that point, and I was like, wow, I was supposed to like him this whole time and, like, find him to be sympathetic. Please, Please, no. He just reads like an entitled tech dude bro, you know? Oh, gosh. I think my favorite line of dialogue, which I'm going to have to try to look this up really quick. I know that there was a meme the other day that I saw, but it's spoken by Kyle Chandler, of all people, who is a fantastic actor. I, I can't say the same about his performance in this movie in particular, but... Get ready to uh, oh grimace gosh. a whole bunch in King of the Monsters because he was in this one explicitly because in King of yeah. the Monsters, he had a bigger role and it was not any better. It was not any better. Oh, geez. I don't know. I um, I think one of the stylistic choices they made that I really enjoyed was the opening sequence where Kong's like doing his morning routine and it's set to this uh, song across the sea across the mountains or something like that Um, but it's like an older song and then they I don't think it's a spoiler to say that they call back and do something similar at the end sequentially like over a um Mm -hmm. over music just like having a creature going through their routine and that was that was definitely like I was like this is just really fun this is just very fun and then when it takes a turn you're like oh so yeah, it it's kind of reminiscent of the opening sequence to Shrek. Yes, I felt very similarly. It was great. Yes. Oh, I found it when he says, that podcast is filling your head with garbage. 
Oh my god. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Okay. So like for context again for listeners, uh, Kyle Chandler is Millie Bobby Brown's dad, and Millie Bobby Brown listens to a conspiracy podcast. And that's the podcast in question that her dad's yeah. talking about. And she's totally into it. Like, completely, 100% believes the stuff and is, like, parroting lines. She had some real bombs of dialogue, too. Oof. Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, I I will say that this was the best bad movie I have seen in quite some time. I literally felt high off of this experience. It it was great. This really brought me so much joy that not many things can bring me at the at the current time of recording. That's awesome. I definitely feel like for all that the dialogue wasn't great, like this movie, just the way it was constructed and acted and the way the monster fights went, I was like, yeah, this is a great experience, you know? And like, I would watch it again, bad dialogue or no. Oh, for sure. And it's not too long either. It's like under two hours. So it's yeah, the director has like a personal rule that he sets for himself that he doesn't put out anything over two hours. Like direct quote from an interview about this movie is him saying, if you're going to put out a three hour movie, you better have a damn good reason. Like, And so essentially people were like, well, when's the director's cut or whatever? Because all the rumors are like he had five hours of footage and like there's all these characters that don't get very much screen time. And, and he was like, nope, this is the movie I set out to make. This is all you're getting. Like, no director's cut. There doesn't need to be one. You aren't going to sit through four and a half hours of everything I shot. It got cut for a reason. Good for him. I appreciated that. I appreciated that, too. The only other general thought that I have is just that I liked the neon in this movie. You'll like Skull Island, then, because they use neon to a great effect, and it reminded me a lot of that. Like, there is the scene in the diner Ooh. in this movie felt like a direct reference to a scene in Skull Island at the beginning where they're like sitting in this bar and there's like neon lights and they're talking about the the mission that they're gonna go on ah nice it felt very Pacific Rim I think the amount of neon in it and I was just like yes this is what I want in a monster movie stylistic yeah very stylistic yes with that would you like to get into spoiler territory oh you know I would okay so we are uh entering Hollow Earth of spoilers. <laughs> what would you like to discuss first? Oh gosh, where do we where do we start? Okay. The setting design in this movie, amazing. Like speaking of Hollow Earth, it was beautiful. The point where they like actually went inside the the tunnel, Aaron was like, "So this is just straight up a sci-fi movie." And I was like, "Yes, it is." And that's what I love cuz I felt like you know, like Godzilla 2014 was being like this, this, a disaster movie, basically. And that was the kind of movie it was. And then Skull Island was a war movie. And that was the kind of movie it was. And then uh, King of the Monsters tried a little bit to lean into the sci-fi, but really just turned into kind of like a spy action movie. And so it was like, I was like, sci-fi, this is what I wanted. Like, give me the bizarre origin stuff, all these cool landscapes, all these cool creatures. Oh, it was beautiful. I loved it. The weird gravity stuff that was going on, mm, choice. Yeah, you could tell that uh, they did put thought into the science. Even if it's not well written, there, there's some thought in there. 
it was just cool and i like that better like at i at a certain point when people are like oh plot holes plot holes the science thing doesn't actually work i'm like well i'm not watching this movie to see science that actually works it's not why i'm watching Mm -hmm. a movie about a giant monkey and a giant lizard fighting each other (laughs) like you can tell me whatever you want about the science and i might laugh but i'm gonna go with it i i totally get that There were some interesting choices in this movie. Like, I think the most baffling scene for me was the scene that is just a close-up of Kong reaching his hand into the ocean and grabbing a bunch of fish. And you just see, like, this gross CGI shot of him eating these fish and, like, I'm not going to go into detail for listeners because it's pretty gross, but... Why was that in there? Someone had to animate that entire scene. Nothing in that scene is real. (laughs) They did that more than once because when they're in the hollow earth and he kills one of the like flying snake things, he eats its head. And I'm like, why? This is disgusting. First of all, like, thank you. I get it. Kong is like an apex Mm -hmm. predator great because like that's the whole bullshit premise is they're like oh kong and and godzilla are both apex predators and we can't ever let them come into the same space because they'll fight and it'll destroy everything right and i'm like okay well first of all that's kind of flimsy reasoning i guess but fine fine i'll go with it like they hinted at it in the past movies so fine but I don't need to see him eating a bunch of stuff no. with all the guts of the stuff that he's eating all over the screen. <laughs> like, gross. Oh, gosh. So gross. <laughs> but it was so funny, though, because throughout watching this movie, like, just when you think it can't get any wackier, it gets wackier. And one of my friends in the chat, Zach, he kept predicting stuff before it actually happened and not that he had seen this movie before we'd seen it just he was throwing out random shit and it was coming true like when they're on hollow earth and uh kong's walking around at some point he says i want him to get a sword or like does he get a sword like he got a magic axe later basically it was that was one of godzilla's scales yeah we started screaming in delight when like less than five minutes later he picks up that axe So the only thing that I predicted, and I did this at the very beginning. So the movie kind of kicks off with Godzilla destroying an Apex cybernetics facility. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, no, Kong or Godzilla is not our protector anymore. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Which is how Kong gets involved is they basically are like, we need Kong to help us. Like Apex Cybernetics is looking for this thing in Hollow Earth and we need Kong to help us because we can't can't, can't get Godzilla to help us kind of thing. But the only thing I predicted is at the very beginning when Kong's destroying the facility, I was like, I don't think that's the real Godzilla. I think that that's like Mecha Godzilla because I know that Mecha Godzilla is part of the MonsterVerse. Yeah. So it's of course it is the real Godzilla, but Mecha Godzilla is the reason for the attack because Apex Cybernetics is building a Mecha Godzilla. And also maybe I can clear a little bit up for you here. So when they find the giant skull, um, there's a giant skull in Apex Cybernetics, right? And um, I forgot his name, but Surizawa, it's which is a character. In the other movies, and it's his son, and that's never actually really said in the movie. I only know that because of the character's name. Um, But he's, like, neural uplinking to the mecha through this skull because the skull belongs to King Ghidorah, which is an alien kaiju-type creature that is in Godzilla King of the Monsters, that is killed in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Sorry for the spoiler, but it is literally the premise of this movie that they have this skull. So... That part was, like, at the end when Mechagodzilla, like, gains sentience, quote-unquote, because they're using the power source from Hollow Earth and Ghidorah's skull. 
I was like, you know, I don't know if this is the ghost of Ghidorah or something else, but I'm just here for it. Like, I want to see Godzilla and Kong team up and beat a giant robot. And that's what happened. So I'm here for it. Like, although I will say Godzilla totally won before that happened. (laughs) He was the victor. (laughs) Even Skarsgård said it himself. It looks like Godzilla's won round two. An actual line Mm -hmm. of dialogue. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're all, yeah, they were all spectators. Oh, okay. So what did you think of the part where they defibrillated Kong back to life with a bomb? Of course. Of course that's what would happen. (laughs) Oh, I was laughing so hard. Oh, it was so funny. And yeah, like you said, with the axe and Godzilla's uh, nuclear power (laughs) fueling the axe. Yes. Well, because it's like one of Godzilla's scales. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. he uses mm-hmm. his nuke breath to charge it up and make it extra powerful. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I thought it was so cheesy and so fun and just very wild. And I loved it. Oh, so one thing I didn't, I guess I should have mentioned in like the spoiler free part, but we're here now. So I'm not going to remember her name now. But the actress mm-hmm. who plays the young Iwi deaf girl, um, again, an actual deaf actor which is cool. Yes. I, that is the other thing I predicted. Like as soon as they showed that she was deaf and like interacting with Godzilla, I was like, okay, so Godzilla knows sign language now is what I'm getting from this. And then it's like a big reveal later on when he signs home, when they're on the boat, like he just wants to go home. And I was like, oh yeah, I do have to say she was a really good actress as well. Like I think she might've given the best performance in the movie because I believed that Kong was real and not a CGI creature when she was interacting with him. Like, it was so believable. I think it helps that they didn't give her any cheesy lines to say. Yes. Like, like all her lines are to further the plot or to help us understand Kong. And so, like, mm-hmm. with the exception of when she does the sign for Coward and Rebecca Hall tells Sarsgaard that it means brave. <laughs> And I was like, that's just a good joke. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a funny joke about how translations can get mixed up and also how being bilingual helps you in situations, you know? I like, that's just funny and it gets me every time. But yeah, it's helped by the fact that she had good dialogue, I feel like, for the whole thing. For sure. I will say the one thing, I didn't have an issue with this, but I was a little bit disappointed by this, is in the very last scene... The song that plays is The Air I Breathe by The Hollies, which is a song that I really like and I've always wanted to be in a good movie. And it's not even used well, (laughs) I would say, in this movie. Like, it's not even a memorable needle drop where some bad movies have really good needle drops and you can accept them in that and... I was just kind of let down by that, but I will say at least it rolled into the ending credits so that I could pretend like I had just watched a really good movie and now it was playing over the end credits, but (laughs) oh man, as soon as that started playing, I said, no! (laughs) It was funny because I I did, yeah, it's like a parallel to the opening scene with Kong's like routine, right? And now he lives in Hollow Earth and he has his routine kind of thing. But yeah, I was like, this is not significantly different from the opening song. And it's like, at that point, why not just reuse the opening song? Yeah. there wasn't. It wasn't like there was a ton of soundtrack pieces in this Mm-mm. movie that like they needed to do that, you know? 
so here's an observation that Aaron made. So Millie Bobby Brown and her her crew, her conspiracy theorist podcast, and her friend Josh, they uh, break into the Apex Cybernetics facility, which is still operating after the attack on the secret underground levels nearest to Hollow Earth. And they go through like this hyper tunnel and end up in Cybernetics Hong Kong, and they're snooping around there. And literally nothing they do affects what's happening with Godzilla and Kong whatsoever for the entire movie until the very end when Josh dumps whiskey on like the controls for Mechagodzilla and it like makes him pause long enough for Kong to come help and that's it that is the only thing they do that has any impact on the plot whatsoever like they literally are just an audience proxy so that we can learn about Apex Cybernetics and be like oh no this is what they're up to like it was very funny to me wow I did have a lot of fun with that group though so I was okay with that I think it was a good offset because without them, we would have been a lot more in the like very serious, oh no, our mission's going wrong, like science Mm -hmm. fiction missions going wrong stuff. And so I feel like it was necessary to the story to include. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? Because those were all of my notes. Man, there was not. Oh, the other thing is that so in Skull Island... Kong is not that big and they basically let them off the hook for it by having a one-off line in that movie where they say he's still growing Mm. so in this movie which takes place like 50 years later because Skull Island's in the 70s um in this movie Kong has grown more than double what he was in the 70s in order to be big enough to fight Godzilla basically there's like actual measurements and stuff on like the movie's website that you can look at. And it's definitely the biggest that Kong has ever been in like the monster verse. But I just thought that was really cool. I was like, yeah, cause we watched school Island. I was like, he is not big enough to fight Godzilla. Like Godzilla is huge, but they solved it nicely. They just wrapped it up. They're like, yeah, he's big now. 50 years later, he's full grown. He's big. <laughs> so good for them. I think that if I did watch all of these, I would have more of an appreciation for those tiny little moments that pay off in Godzilla versus Kong. I didn't catch all of them though. Like I said, with the with the one character supposed to be like Sarazawa's son, I mm-hmm. I didn't realize that during the movie because I didn't catch the literally one line where he's introduced and you're supposed to catch it. I found it out afterwards when I was like looking at the movie page and like reading some trivia and interviews and things, and like that was where I went, oh my god, that was Sarazawa's son. Like it feels like. He should have had a little bit more, you know, because Surizawa was like the biggest advocate for Godzilla in the other movies. And, you know, but it it was it turned out fine, obviously, like it didn't have any bearing on the plot to know that um, there was just like some dramatic irony that I felt like could have been gained potentially. Yeah, no kidding. I really hope that we get at least one more movie like this. So I don't know. The only things that they have planned for the MonsterVerse right now that I'm aware of. And um, so one is a Mothra origin story movie, which Mothra is in King of the Monsters. Mothra's my favorite mm-hmm. monster from the MonsterVerse. I love her. She's wonderful. So she's getting a movie that they've announced. And then Rodan, who is also in King of the Monsters, he's like a big firebird, um, is getting his own movie. They haven't announced anything with Godzilla or Kong yet. So I don't know what else we might get in that regard. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I still think that Pacific Rim is probably my top monster movie. But this one would be like 
right after it, followed by Pacific Rim 2, which was really bad. I would agree with that, although I didn't watch all of Pacific Rim 2. It it was such a decline in quality from the first one to the second. It just made me sad. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Don't worry about it. You don't need to watch it. Thank you. Thanks for letting <laughs> I'll let me you know. off the hook there. So <laughs> good. Oh my goodness. Well then, I must ask you, have you watched any good movies or TV shows lately? So I haven't watched a ton new lately. We watched Godzilla King of the Monsters this week, actually. My sister and I have been doing a few movie nights, and last time I was like, you just, you pick. Like, it's fine. You pick. She picked Hercules, Disney Disney classic, which it's just a really good time. And um, and I like, I love Greek mythology, and so that's like a, a classic that I really enjoy and um, always funny and also hilarious to me that the studio made it after being like, oh, no, Hunchback of Notre Dame was too dark. Our next one has to be funny because, like, I don't know. Hercules jumps into the river of death in that movie. So there's a lot going on there. <laughs> but it was a good time. It was just a just a nice, really, really fun time. Um, but otherwise, I've been rewatching The Good Place, which I always love. So, so good. What about you? Um, I'm going to have to rewatch Hercules soon. That's been on my list. And I haven't seen it since I was a kid, which I watched all the time as a kid. But my memory is very fuzzy. So I will definitely have to revisit that. Very on brand, which as I just recently realized is more on brand than I even thought it was. Uh, Last night, my movie Discord decided to follow up Godzilla vs. Kong from last week with Face Off this week, which is another, it's a classic, I would say at this point. I've never seen it all the way through, but I love every bit of it that I have seen. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it... It is something. I will say that it's a bit too long. I think that if 20 minutes were cut, it would be a lot more fun overall. Like the first 30 to 40 minutes, such a good time. And there's fun bits throughout it, but it just kind of drags on for a little bit too long. But I found out right before we recorded that the director of Godzilla vs. Kong is set to direct and write a sequel to Face Off. Oh my gosh, you're serious? Yes. Amazing. Amazing. I had no idea that those two were connected, but apparently they are very connected. I would never have guessed. Would have never guessed either, but I'm I'm thrilled (laughs) to see what he does with a sequel to Face Off, for sure. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, Another movie that I watched off of your recommendation is The Neon Demon. (laughs) Oh, yes. I Oh, man. I forgot that you watched that. <laughs> yes, which I don't think I would have enough to say to do an in- entire podcast episode, but I still had to save it for when you came on again so we could talk about it for at least a few minutes. Yes. Wow. Yes. I'm still wrapping my head around it. <laughs> How accurate was I? It was bad, right? But like beautiful. But the plot yeah, was like what? very anticlimactic <laughs> for sure. I knew that it was building towards yes. something. Yeah. But what that thing was, no. Yeah. It was like, when should I have seen the hints for this? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was uh, quite an experience, though. I, 
I don't regret watching it. I'm glad that I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those ones where I was like, "Hmm, wouldn't watch this again. Probably if I hadn't already like seen some stuff by this director, wouldn't have watched it in the first place. Yeah. Glad I did, though. Mm -hmm. You know? For sure. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And I definitely see why it was such a polarizing movie when it was released. Yeah, that I it was I had a good time watching it. Like Elle Fanning does great. It is Elle Fanning, right? Not Dakota. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was. I felt like it was well acted. I just was like, this is not good. Like, who let him write this? Wow. I don't know what else to say. It's really. I know. It's something. And um, <laughs> another movie that I I didn't watch recently, but I've been thinking about it a lot, and I figured I would mention it while you were on the podcast because I remember us talking about video games a couple of years ago and you said that you played Hotline Miami and so I associate these together in my brain. I watched the movie adaptation of Miami Vice a couple of months ago. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Which uh, not as much neon as I would have expected, not as much sunshine as I would have expected but I will say that it's one of those movies that not bad at all just not what you would expect out of a Miami Vice movie but the more that it sits with you the more that you appreciate what it's doing and if you like which I know that you like movie trivia um yes there's a podcast blank check with Griffin and David where they go over director's filmographies and they did a Michael Mann series and that's one of the movies he made and they talk a lot about the troubled production and like all of the behind the set behind the scenes stuff that was going on and I think giving it like watching the movie then listening to the episode and having that context makes me want to rewatch it again because now I understand why it is the way that it is and I want to kind of look for all of that stuff that's cool yeah I've definitely been there before and it's also why I continue to buy hard copies of movies despite streaming services because I one of my things that I really like to do is while I'm working on other stuff I will put on a movie with commentary <laughs> like a movie that mm-hmm. I've seen several times or that you know that is really fresh and then I'll put just put it on with commentary so um yeah so I love to find out the trivia that way and everything so that po- I'm gonna have to check that podcast out blank check you said yes awesome it's a great podcast I would highly recommend it very cool but uh that's all I have yeah I I mean as always I talk a mile a minute so apologies to your listeners uh but Godzilla versus Kong was great and I'm glad we got to talk about it and hopefully we get to do more releases as they come out yes I would love to do that at this time, do you have anything that you would like to plug, Audrey? I have my usual. So I am the co-host of a podcast called Mordor She Wrote. You can find us online at Mordor underscore She Wrote on Twitter. We go through Lord of the Rings, which my friend Kayla has is fresh to, has never read, never seen the movies, and I am obsessed with deeply. So we go through that chapter by chapter. We're only like six chapters in. So if you've never read them and you want to know what the fuss is, we will talk about it. And if you have read them and want to follow along with a complete newbie, you can do that too. And then I also write tabletop games, and the big one right now is Spaceships and Starworms, so you can find us on Twitter at Starworms with a Y, like the dragon. 
but if you like D&D 5e, it's basically that, but sci-fi in space and there's a whole setting and everything. So the usual for me. <laughs> good stuff. The usual's good. Yes. You can find the podcast at your FN Filmcast on Twitter and your, not your, it's just friendly neighborhood filmcast at gmail.com. 